fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I'm the Clydesdale, and I have the honor and privilege to be with the fittest short stature athlete in the world, Mikey Wittes. How you doing, Mikey? Good. Thanks Good. for having me. Um, I guess I can go by the, the pony today or the donkey today instead of the Clydesdale. Uh, yeah. <laughs> short stature. Um. When I was doing research on you, the first thing I noticed is you're from South Bend, Indiana. Correct. Yeah. Born and please, raised. Please, please don't tell me you're a Notre Dame fan. Born and raised also. Uh, both my parents went to Notre Dame. Um, my grand grandfather and a bunch of family went to Notre Dame. I didn't get that uh, genetic gift of being smarter than the rest. And so I went to Holy Cross College, the sister school across the street that uh, most people know from Rudy. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I saw on your LinkedIn that you went to Holy Cross and um, and that that is famous in the Rudy movie where he had to work his way to get to Notre Dame. Yeah, um, that's actually how my parents got to Notre Dame. Uh, they they When it was ju- junior college, they started there and then they made their way over to Notre Dame and it's where they met. So I'm grateful for the Holy Cross and Notre Dame society or whatever. Yeah, my uh, my best friend is a Notre Dame fanatic, um, and I get tired of it so much. Um, I'm a Penn State fan, and I live in Columbus, Ohio, which is bad enough. Oh. And then, then your best friend is a Notre Dame fan, so it's just like inundated with all the bad stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm a uh, I'm a supporter of Penn State because of their wrestling program. Um, and, uh, my, my brother-in-law and one of my best friends growing, uh, through college and stuff was a Penn state fan. So I, I, I can get behind Penn state, Ohio state. I wouldn't have, I, I can't get behind that. <laughs> in Columbus. Yeah. Penn state wrestling program may be one of the most sure things in sports. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's like, they're basically like the Tia Toomey's of uh, college wrestling. <laughs> Correct. That, that's a great way to put it. Well, we're not here to talk about college athletics. We're here to talk about you. Um, and just so people, you, you label yourself the fittest dwarf. And yep. from someone who's, who's not in the adaptive community, like sometimes we get wrapped up in terms and stuff. And, but then I've worked with, and I told you before we went on the air, I've worked with some people trying to launch an adaptive podcast. It seems like the terms matter less to the community itself than the people outside the community. Yeah. Um, I'd say speaking for myself, uh, my, with dwarfism, a lot of, a lot of people are a little bit more hesitant with terms just because there's a lot of, uh, I'd say misinformation as far as what people call us and what what the world thinks is the right term or what's wrong or what they think is offensive. Um, uh, a lot of people will automatically, because of TV and Hollywood and everything, uh, think midget is the word. 
but it's not. That is actually uh, an offensive slur because it's uh, a it goes back to like the early uh, like circus and everything where uh, people with dwarfism were sent sent to uh, like circus uh, show uh, or societies and stuff, and they were referred to as uh, midgets because the word midge is actually a sm- is the name of like what a small fruit fly is. It's considered insignificant and like just pointless. It doesn't do anything for society, and that's where the term came from. It isn't medical, and so like a lot of people will go back and forth with me and be like, "Oh, that's the medical." I'm like, "It's not medical. There's nothing medical about it." And they're like, "Well, what about people under four foot?" And I was like, "That's not medical. It's still a dwarf." Uh, So for me, um, I I don't really get too upset about it much. and so usually I just push for a uh, little, little person or dwarf um, or just my name. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the way I usually uh, uh, like to go about it um, and just advocate for people. Um, in the adaptive world, we don't really. It's, if, if you hang around more than five adaptive athletes at once in, in a, and you just listen to us communicate to each other, I feel like a uh, society would like just be like shaking in their boots if they heard some of the things we say to each other. We're, we're, we're the funniest and like rudest to each other, but uh, it comes from a place of love. And uh, I always say, that's how you can tell if I like you as a person or not, if I give you a hard time, if I'm giving you a hard time, you're accepted by me. If I'm not, it's probably because I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. I grew up, I grew up in a, in a generation where, when you were you're with your best friends, you bust balls, right? Yeah. That's just what you do. And, um, and it comes out of a place of love. And I think that's just the most important aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Is, is that you, you love these other people and you, and in the adaptive community, you're in, you're in something together as a, as almost like a fraternity mm-hmm. uh, where you're, you guys are fighting for equality and the ability to compete um, yeah. and we're going to get into all of that in a second, but I want to, I want to go through your background a little bit. You were born uh, with parents that, of normal size. Yeah. Yeah. Both and, my parents are average height. Nobody in my family ever had dwarfism before me. And so does that make it more rare that you had dwarfism? Yeah, it's, uh, kind of like winning the lottery. You have a one in 20, th- well, that's probably more likely than winning a lottery, but it's one one in 20,000 chance of having my type of dwarfism through a mutation. So it just randomly happens. It's not a, uh, for average height people to pass it on. It doesn't, it's not a genetic. So it's not like, uh, my dad or my mom was carrying it. It's, um, it, it, for them to pass, uh, have a child with dwarfism. It is just a genetic mutation that spontaneously occurs. And then now with, my wife and I, it's dominant genes for us. So we can pass it on to our children. So, and, and, okay. <laughs> Give me lots of paths to go down, but I want to, I want to stick with your parents just for a second. And that is I read in men's health, which you were featured in, which is really cool. Um, that you had a quote that was your favorite thing your mom ever told you. And on the surface, some may look at it as like, man, that was harsh. But was it, so it is, 
life's not fair. Get over it. The sooner you do, the sooner you'll be happy. Yep. And what did, what did that mean to you? What that, how did you take that and translate that into becoming successful in life? Um, I really just like when she's, when she says, said, would say that to me as a, as, as a child and as a young adult, like instilled to this day, says it to me and to my siblings. Um, it, it, it resonates with me because I, I realize life isn't fair. It never will be. It, it, it's not fair for anybody. Um, uh, shit happens in life and um, you have two choices. You can mope about it and like, do nothing or you can realize life's not fair get over it and uh like as long as you just have that mentality and realize it's never going to be fair it's not it never was it isn't and you just have to keep going you have to uh you have to fight for everything you want and you can't just uh um, expect things to be uh like easy for you Ever. So in, in, a, in essence, your, your mother never let you play the victim. Oh, you, you can't play uh, the victim with my mom. Uh, no, matter, no matter what the situation, uh, she'll, she'll, she'll straighten you out. Um, and so you played, you played sports growing up, including Taekwondo wrestling, which we've talked about briefly and football. Yep. Um, what were those experiences like? Uh, Taekwondo, um, I, I honestly don't know why I started, um, other than uh, I know it was uh, at the, the country club my parents were a part of. They had lessons there, and so I, I joined early um, and uh, did it for like four or five years, uh, ended up getting my black belt in it, um, and that, er- that early on taught me, like, goes back to the life's not fair when you're trying to spar with people kick whose arms and legs are two times as long as yours, you realize that really quick that like you're going for a punch and the other person's fist already hit you or they kicked you and you're, you're, you're not even able to get inside to them to be able to make contact with them. Um, you have to find your way to do it. Um, and that applied to football as well. Um, most people, if they were to guess what position I played in football, like what, what would you guess position wise I played? I tried to think about it. Um, I, uh, my natural reaction would be defensive line. Defensive. I did play defensive line as well as offensive line. Um, I had just a grittiness to me where I was wanting to like, I could hold my own there. I, I went against, I was a, a, an offensive guard and a, a defensive tackle and a defensive end. And so I, I just, I found ways. I, I found that the bigger kids were slower so I could get past them faster. I was at a lower center of gravity. I, I would crawl through guys' legs um, at, when, they, when they snapped the ball um, and would get through before they could even stand up or uh, realize what happened. Um, and so I just, I, I just found a way always of doing it my way um, because I knew that um, I had to find what worked for me. Um, and uh, I did that up until uh, eighth grade. Um, and once I got into high school, my parents uh, 
wouldn't let me do it anymore. They're like, the kids are just getting too big. They're like, wrestling, they're like, wrestling is fine because you're in a weight class. Football, there are kids who are going to be in the six foot plus 200 to 300 pound range. You cannot do this anymore. <laughs> they're like, it's a safety issue here. Um, <clears throat> and looking back, I think obviously that was the, the smart decision. Um, I was able to focus on wrestling more as well as um, I wasn't going to go any farther in football outside of if I did play in high school. Um, and so, uh, yeah, re wrestling is just, uh, I've, I, I still love it. Um, I'm introducing my son to it, take him to uh, club club locally here. Um, and it's just a great sport. Um, uh, uh, one of my coaches always called it the greatest equalizer of sports because you only go against people your own size. And no matter if you're a six foot or four foot, it, you have to weigh 103 pounds or whatever it was, or uh, that's what it was when I was there. I, I think they changed it to like 106 or something now, but you have to weigh a certain weight. And so you can't be, you, you're not going to go against somebody who's way bigger than you. So there were people in the comments guessing running back, kicker. Um, the reason I went defensive line is, and I played defensive end and offensive tackle, lower center of gravity, gravity is a huge advantage for defensive linemen. And I could see you being trouble trying to block. Oh, yeah. I would play nose tackle and I'd go right through the center. As, right as he snapped that ball, I went right through his legs because I knew he's not paying attention. <laughs> like he, he – He's he's a big boy. He can't move fat, like fast enough to like realize that like I'm going through and um, he can't hold me. So uh, it was yeah. it, it was always fun to play. And the center has to snap the ball first and yeah. then get set. So that actually gives you an extra second to 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 make your move. So yeah, I I that's why I picked defensive line because I knew you would give me problems. <laughs> um, so with that, eventually you find CrossFit. And I read in, in one of the articles I read on you that your dad actually did CrossFit first. And yep. you thought yep. it was for old retired guys, so you dismissed it. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't drink the Kool-Aid early on. Uh, uh, as everyone jokes, uh, the, the, the sugar-free CrossFit Kool-Aid, the keto yep. uh, Kool-Aid. Uh, I... He always talked about it. Um, I would see it on ESPN and everything, and and be like, I, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't see it. Um, I was doing my own thing um, after wrestling was done and going through college, um, and then once I was, uh, I think my senior year of college, I finally was like, I need to do something. I need an outlet. I need. I'm very competitive. I've always been competitive. I was like. I need to find something to do again because I was like, I'm bored. I was like, I can't just clock in and clock out after, after college and uh, get a job and do nothing. I was like, I need to be competitive in some sort of way. And um, that's when I like re reached back out to my dad and I was like, where's the gym? Um, and then I found uh, the local affiliate um, here and, uh, fell in love with it the first time I did it because it reminded me so much of wrestling. It tired me out. Um, I was huffing and puffing right away. And that's exactly how wrestling was every match, regardless if, if you won in 30 seconds or not, you still were heavy breathing because it was just, it's a hard, hard match. And every CrossFit workout 
regardless of if it's a a, a long one or a short one, you're always going to be tired. Oh. Back in one of our early episodes, we had Chris Spieler on, and he talked about how his wrestling career prepared him so much for CrossFit because in, in wrestling, you you live uncomfortably mm-hmm. in a wrestling match. And so when the, when the uncomfortable comes in a CrossFit workout, that you you're used to it. You've been doing it for years. Do do you see the same similarity as he does? Oh yeah. Um, I always hear like the term, like enter the dark place or like get in that dark place in your head. And uh, that's 100% what wrestling is, is if you want to be successful at wrestling or CrossFit, you have to be okay with uh, embracing that dark side of uh like having to get, go deep into a workout where you're exhausted and understanding it it's I'm never going to be more tired than I am like I can't get more tired I'm already like exhausted I just need to keep going and as you got to have those positive self that positive self talk with yourself in those uh uncomfortable moments of crossfit and wrestling so in 2021, you competed in the adaptive divisions of CrossFit. You finished third in the world. In 2022, you repeated a third place finish. And then in 2023, you become the champion. Yep. Let, let's start with just that part of it. You win the, you win the CrossFit Games. What is that feeling like improving from two third place finishes to becoming the champion it feels good uh it felt i, I was proud of uh the work i put in uh that uh the last few years um it's uh the open's always been uh, a weird weird one to to claim the fittest title in um just because it's three workouts um and it's it's not a broad test like the games um or an in-person event um, and so it, it was, I was glad that I could, uh, uh, get high enough scores to actually be the, the fittest this year. Um, because I, I know that I truly am. And I know the results, the previous years weren't a full example of the, the fitness that I was able to put out. You have massive strength numbers. I think your back squat number is 485. Yep, that's my lifetime. Yeah. And the open doesn't show any of that. Yeah. This past year was the first time we really had a strength and being the thruster. And that was that was a breeze for me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so uh Nick from Wad Zombie. Uh I don't know if you know him. He has a meme account online and does all the trading cards of the athletes. Yeah. Were there any specific athletes or people who inspired him to compete? Um, in CrossFit, not not really. Um, uh, uh, I kind of like I learned about adaptive CrossFit uh, through uh, our, our gym owner uh, Nick and Chelsea Rankar, um, who Nick is a a former games athlete, um, uh, for the central regional, uh, and, uh, they, they, they taught me about adaptives, but like 
to be competitive and to have like the, the mindset I have about a lot of things. I actually got it from another uh, um, former wrestler and uh, he actually did CrossFit early on, uh, Kyle Maynard. I don't know if you know who that is. He had a book. He has a book called No Excuses. He's a quadriplegic um, and he uh, did a lot of powerlifting, uh, wrestling, and he did some CrossFit and he, uh, he did MMA and he climbed one of the mountains. I don't remember which one it was, but uh, one of the, the world's largest mountains um, with just uh, his remaining limbs that he has because um, he basically has like from the elbow down um, and the knee down um, for his uh, for his limbs and uh, he his book when I my mom gave it to me in middle school and I I hated reading I I still have problems reading uh, today where like if I pick up a book um, if it's not interesting to me, I will fall asleep in within two minutes of reading that book. Um, but his book was probably the only book that I read cover to cover probably in a week, um, just uh, in a, as a middle schooler. It was, yeah, Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just inspired me because he was also from Indiana originally. And uh, it made me want to be like that. It made me want to inspire others to uh, do shit people never thought impossible for w who you are, what you have. Um, I, 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 yeah, I've, his, his story always still like uh, gets me inspired. So when did you know, when you went to the CrossFit gym and you start doing the classes, when did you know that you had something more that it, that you had a special ability to be able to do this at such a high level? Um, I don't know if I've still, still even realized that. Um, cause I, I, I never, I'm never one to give myself credit or, uh, um, I always joke talking about myself is probably my least favorite thing to do just cause I'd rather talk about other people, um, and learn about other people. Um, and so, I'd, I'd say when like I went to Wadapalooza the first time and uh, got uh, got to compete with the other adaptives and uh, it was just an open division then and they now they have like separate divisions and um, ironically I got dead last in at Wadapalooza that year but I realized like I have a potential to make this a division for myself I have a, a, like I have the ability to grow something for other people like me, for uh, other people with dwarfism um, who might want to uh, compete in some sort of way outside of the Paralympics or until they get through middle school. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I think it was probably, yeah, when I, when I went to my first competition at Wadapalooza, it was like, that was kind of like the eye opener. So that's kind of a good segue because I, I want to do some compare and contrasting, but first we have to set this, the stage this year. You, you win the CrossFit games. It's only done through the open in 2022. There was a semifinal listed on your, th so what changed from 2022 to 2023? Uh, that's a good question. Um, 
that that would be a better <laughs> question for like a Don Fall or Dave Castro or Adrian Bosman. Uh, I don't I don't know what changed. They they claimed there wasn't enough numbers for all of the adaptive divisions to make the semifinals worthwhile. Um, so they basically eliminated a level of competition for us, another uh, another level um, outside of the open. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I, I truly feel like this year was a regression for adaptive athletes um, in the CrossFit world just because they eliminated a level of competition being the semifinals. And they did that for all the adaptive divisions, uh, the uppers, lowers, and multi-extremity. They they also lost their uh, semifinals. And so they found their five fittest to go to the games through the open. And um, like I said earlier, three workouts is not a good test for finding who should be going on to the next level. Um, there's obviously exceptions to that. Like, um, obviously, like, Casey, Casey Agree is, like, uh, like – a a freak athlete and yes he he's obviously the fittest in his division without a doubt and I, I don't think anyone ever questions that um but i just feel like losing an, a level of competition is just yeah i don't know it's not it wasn't and good. just to clarify that it was an online step yeah no no questions about some of the reviews too because they're uh I don't know about anyone else, but I didn't see any burpees get off any leaderboards. I didn't see anyone get a penalty for burpees um, in that workout. Um, so I I don't know if they actually reviewed the videos or anything like that. Um, it's, it's just odd. But the 2022 semifinals were online. So it, really at no cost to CrossFit other than the review process and allowing you to have another set, another shot at the leaderboard yeah okay so that gets eliminated in 2023 i will agree with you that that is a regression um then i'm gonna pull up your post real quick here um you made this post right after the games um and this is you on the podium so you did not get to compete in Madison Correct. to be the first on earth. You flew in or drove in, I don't know what, um, on the award ceremony day. I got in the day before. I, I, uh, they offered us uh, the ability to get tickets, like to purchase tickets and like a festival pass. Um, and so, yeah, I purchased tickets for the, the week um for my brother and I to go and uh we were so we went on I think it was Friday or yeah Friday night I believe or Thursday night was the night that they held them after uh the adapters and age groups finished correct it was Thursday night um and then you get there and all the people that competed live got the shirt that all champions get that say fittest on earth with the one or the two or the three, depending on where you finished on the podium, as you can see in this picture that keeps rotating back and forth, you got your medal, but the shirt, you got a generic CrossFit shirt to wear on the podium. Yeah. Can you, can you just walk us through that process and, and the feelings you had in that moment? Yeah. Um, 
obviously I can only speak for my personal feelings on the situation. Um, I, I know others were also kind of like distraught over it just because it, it just felt a little uh, like little to no effort on their part um, as far as like trying to give us that experience. Um, like I, I, I truly am appreciative that they did invite us. Um, it just felt like the invite was the last level of thought or care they put into it. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't have been hard to just like have shirts there for everyone in the divisions. They had them last year. So it's like, it's not like it wasn't something that they didn't do or didn't ever do. Like they had them last year when people went um, and I'm sure they had a bunch of them somewhere. Um, it just, yeah. And when we, when we got there, it was kind of just like a weird, weird situation where we were brought down underneath the, the line energy center. And, um, uh, I said, put behind a black curtain and we were kind of truly put behind this black curtain, the, the, the mat, the age group and adaptives that competed were like on the other side, we were on this side, we kind of stayed there. We didn't know what was going on or when we were going out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was, mm, it was just, just didn't feel like it was, uh, they really were trying to make us feel like we belonged at all. So your words in your post and people can go to Instagram at uh, Mikey swoosh one um, to, to see this themselves. But you say the, the podium ceremony left a bad taste in my mouth for sure. Getting treated as a misfit toy and not even receiving the same shirt as the rest of the podium finishers was shocking. And that really, like, that hit me hard. And Lana Marcin, who's in our comments, uh, says, disgraceful. The athletes who qualified prior to the games did not get their shirts. Um, it is disgraceful. And I, I was very emotional when we talked about it on our Thursday Night CrossFit show um, that I felt like, would have taken such little effort yeah get you guys shirts so that you looked like everybody else who got who won yeah and that they couldn't take that small step is pathetic yeah and it was, it was yeah i would say that's the best way to say it is just like it was pretty pathetic like just their attempt yeah it um and, and what really upset me, and so I was at all the press conferences. I was at the press conference with Don Fall, and he said, and this is prior to this occurring. Yeah. The most inspirational athletes that they have at the games are the adaptive divisions and what they mean to the community. You say that in words at a press conference, and then the next night you follow it up with these actions. There's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say actions speak louder than words um, or marketing, like the same thing. Like actions speak louder than the, the marketing posts you'll do showing adaptives, um, which I'd say this year was even less than in years past. They, uh, If you go to their page, they haven't posted. They, they, they posted probably four or five clips since the games of 
like from the start of the games when the adaptives and age group started to the end of adaptives actually competing. Um, they've shared the same post like three times of uh, one of the upper women uh, snatching a barbell. And uh, it's like, there were other adaptives there competing. Let's, let's share like, like great, like obviously great. Her lift was great. Like it was perfect. Um, but share more about the other adaptives, like uh, show, other adaptives doing things so people can see. Um, and I truly believe that um, the adaptive divisions haven't taken off more because they've selected, uh, based off of numbers, the divisions that I would say look the most like uh, average people. Um, yes, they're missing arms and legs, um, some of them. But if you want, I feel like if I was somebody who was trying to push adaptive athletes, I would have the seated athletes out there because people want to see people in wheelchairs doing this. They want to see that it's possible in a wheelchair and um, visually impaired people doing it. Um, the sensory division, intellectually, uh, the, the intellectual divisions. I feel like people want to see those divisions as well as my, my own division. Like, um, can't forget, can't forget the short stature, but uh, like, I feel like people want to see people who, don't look just like them. Like, and not, like, I'm not taking, I don't want to make it sound like I'm taking anything away from the other divisions. They rightfully belong there along with everyone else. Um, but I feel like if, if you want to get people in the seats, you got to have the people that like the people that look the most different. I don't know. I don't know if I, that's the way to say it, but just, yeah. Yeah. And, and just to, one more thing about that, the coverage of the people that even got to compete there was so pathetic. Yeah. And it was like iPhone 4 hanging from the roof. Yeah. Um, the I think there was barely, one megapixel. <laughs> right. Um, and that was for all age groups and the entire adaptive community that were competing at the games. Yeah. So this is my next question. You mentioned going to Wadapalooza. You were also the wheel wad champion uh, in the short stature division. And you're the CrossFit Games champion. What competition means more to you? Currently, uh, wheel wad does because it's the only in-person, truly in-person for all adaptive divisions. Um, they are still working on getting the intellectual division um, into the wheel wad games. Um, the the programming's a, a little bit um, out of their expertise, um, so they need to. They're going to be working with uh, people I know to to get better programming for uh, the intellectual divisions. But Wheelwad is, without a doubt, probably the best uh, truly inclusive adaptive division. Um, and by inclusive, I mean they have every almost every division there, um, and. It's the one where, yeah, everyone shows up. Um, the short stature is there, the uh, uh, sensory, everyone. And it's it's a great event. Um, I hope to see it grow more. Um, I feel like uh, the more people who know about the Wheel Wide Games, the more people that will possibly show up, um, as well as sponsors uh, support it. Because um, uh, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of people will talk about, like, Oh, like we got to get behind them, but then they, they don't, they don't show up to the, the adaptive stuff or they, 
they don't support them in other ways by sharing their posts on ins- or on, on social media or following them or um, or just or, or brands getting behind them um, to support them like other athletes. Um, and so hopefully um, it gets it gets better in that way. So the big rumor circling around Madison this year was that there were comments made in in press conferences where Dave Castro said in order for the games to be successful, they need to, it needs to be scalable to be able to move from place to place. That has been translated as to removing age groups and adaptives from the lineup at the CrossFit games and maybe giving um, like we award the ability to be, to call themselves the CrossFit games. And that would be, you would be the champion through that. Does that make sense to you? Or do you think that it would diminish being the CrossFit games champion? All that saying that you just said that we award means more to you right now yeah. anyway. So, yeah. Um, I have to think how to answer this in the best way because <laughs> uh, I think I get what they say in removing it from the games, um, and but it's essentially already doing that by having the adaptives and age groups start on Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever day. I think it's Wednesday they start. So it's like what, Tuesday, yeah, they started Tuesday this week. Um, and so I don't see what – changing it a whole nother week would do as far as opening it up. It's unless Dave is looking to have the elite division go from Tuesday to Sunday. Um, I don't see how much that's going to change it. They always talk about like, uh, like, Oh, the time, like the time to like between heats and everything has to be so tight. And it's like only one day do the elites and the age group and adapters actually compete on the same day. And so it's like it's I don't see how it's that hard to to make that fit as well as to to add one or two heats to the adaptive divisions in the, at the games um, to add the rest of the remaining uh, divisions. Um, obviously, that's coming from me, somebody who hasn't run an event individually myself. Um, but looking at it, I see a lot of downtime, like in between heats, like where they're waiting. Um, uh, and so I. I, don't, I would probably say moving the teams would probably be a better idea because that that anybody who was at the games um, and I know that's probably an unpopular opinion and people are going to say that's like a bad take but anybody who was at the games this year and sat in the Coliseum as soon as teams started seats the seats were open people were leaving like um, I don't want to say as soon as Rich retired from doing teams teams became irrelevant but that's what it looked like to me this year, as far as like uh, in years past where the, the, the team's division filled it up. Um, I think it takes away some of the the excitement of making it to the games also if you move it outside of there, because um, now you're asking uh, fans to potentially make two trips to whatever location this is, as well as what's CrossFit support of like wheel wad going to be when they claim wheel wads, the CrossFit games for adaptives, like, um, are they going to support media? Are they going to support, uh, like financially running it, um, as well as marketing it 
it so that people actually come and show up. Um, it's, I, I think they, ha they, they, they have a good idea of doing it, but um, I think it's just because they don't want to do it. I don't think Dave wants to do the adaptives or age groups anymore. I think he, I don't think he's ever really liked having them at the games. So it's funny you say that because my, my next point was that I was there for the age group and adaptives. I was there for the team. I would say more people were in the Coliseum for adaptives and age groups than there were for team. I, like once again, I don't want to have it come across as a bad take, but I personally don't enjoy watching team. It's too much, too much going on, too many different things. Uh, somebody's holding a the dip ring dips. Somebody's holding a handstand uh, while somebody else is riding a bike. It's like, uh, it's not as exciting um, to watch. It's more confusing for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think Rich said it on his podcast once it needs to be easy to watch and like somebody who doesn't know anything about CrossFit can come watch and understand what's going on there. And teams isn't that anymore. Um, so I'll tell you, like I was watching the adaptives, uh, the final night, uh, it was single arm dumbbell snatches. I believe, uh, it was a woman with one leg and she had a hard time switching to the leg, the arm above the, the non-leg. And like she's pumping up the crowd and the crowd is getting loud. Like that was way more exciting than anything I ever saw on the team division. Yeah. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed um, the age groups and adaptives um, through that whole process. And we, we tried to get interviews with as many people as we could. Um, I wish I would have known you before that. We were under the, the Coliseum. I would have loved to have interviewed you in person. Um, but we tried to do that, and we had a blast. And I know Lana Marcin, who's been commenting, uh, was covering the 60-plus who get no love. Um, and she's, her big thing is she just wants a leaderboard for 70 to 75, for 75 to 80, they don't care if they go to the games, but something to shoot for. Yeah. Um, and as simple as that. And, and it's, and those that's falling on deaf ears. Yeah. Um, that was, that was something that like we had, we had similar issues with the adaptive vision the first uh, two years, I think with a scaled leaderboard for adaptives, everyone thinks like, Oh, it's adaptive. Like, why would you need a scaled one? Well, there's levels to fitness for adaptives. Also there's, those of us who are elite adaptive athletes and then those of us who have like less capacity, work capacity or less strength and um, might need to scale it down because at the end of the day, the CrossFit games is finding the fittest. So uh, there should be a scalable option for adaptives. And um, I, yeah, I, I agree. Seven, 70, 75 plus 80. I, I feel like there should be um, uh, like, I know, I, I enjoy watching the, the masters just because it's impressive to see um, like the, a, a 60 or 65 year old doing these things. And I know people will say that about adaptives, but uh, like, it, I feel like it's even crazier or like being like that 60 year old, just like clean and jerk, like 165. That's ridiculous. Like, like the last uh, outside of my, my parents who work out like uh, other 65 year olds, I don't know anyone that does that. 
Well, just to give you a hint about Lana is she's in her 70s, I believe. She was at Masters Fitness Collective last year. She was asked if she's going back, and she said, no, they scale it too much. I can do rope climbs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so she does ask a question. I think this is in reference to Wheelwad. Do they have into an intellectual division? I think you said they're working on it. Yeah, they're working on getting one uh, for the upcoming year. I know um, it's uh, we have they haven't really uh, gotten into that uh, area yet. Um, they, they more like started with like the the physical impairments first, and um, and then uh, we have they didn't have like an expert on staff for intellectual and it was the same way like it started when i when i started joining wheel wide events they didn't have a short stature division we didn't have standards we didn't have uh like like different like what was rx for a short stature we didn't know um and that's why like it opened my eyes at wadapalooza when i'm out there being asked to do the same things that like guys who are two to like two times my height we're doing and it was like that's not like that's not the right like we're not hitting the stimulus there um asking me to uh clean and jerk 135 at that um for for reps isn't like going to be the same stimulus as somebody who's weighing 185 doing that like yes they're missing one leg but it's a difference it's a different in size so my next question to you is you you have some notoriety. You have quite a following on Instagram. You've been on TLC's Little People Big World where they featured you guys and your family. Do you feel a sense of obligation to use those vehicles to promote CrossFit and the adaptive division? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like uh, it's my responsibility to do that um god gifted me this platform to do it um and it wouldn't be right for me to use it just selfishly for myself um uh, i i i say oftentimes people, people might take my passion for it as just like uh over the top um for wanting to speak out about different things for the adaptives but um the one thing that's different about my division than any other division I spoke about it earlier was I pass my genetic disability onto my children. And so I'm thinking about the future of them, whereas other divisions, if you're an amputee, you don't pass that on to your kid. Um, um, like, unless there's a, a specific diagnosis that's outside of just a regular uh, uh, amputee or if you're a, a seated athlete, um, uh, I don't know all, like, I don't know how spina bifida works or anything like that, but it, I don't know if that's genetically passed or not, but uh, most that are like just a spinal cord injury, it's not passed on to your next, uh, to your children. Um, for myself, it, it's passed on to my children. It's passed on to my grandchildren. Um, and so I think of it as it's my duty and responsibility to make it better for them than it was for me. Um, and give them opportunities or help create opportunities for them later on in life that I didn't think were possible for myself until I helped create them. So you, you talk about children and I know you, you lost two daughters early because of the dwarfism and you talked about that on the TLC show and 
I don't need to rehash all that. But you also have a son. Um, the example you're setting today, do you think about that as you're doing it? Yeah, uh, I I think about it uh, constantly in everything I do. Uh, uh, it, as a as a little person, you stick out. So it's always been ingrained in me that you stick out. People will know who you are, where you are, and if you were there. So uh, I didn't go to parties in high school because I knew if I, I stuck out. Um, and I, I was known for wrestling. So I knew if somebody saw me doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, it was going back to my parents. And even if I didn't know that the person, it was. Um, so even to this day, like I, I think about the example I'm setting for um, other little people um, and uh, the next generation. Um, I, I, I want to show them that they don't have to be the, the punchline to jokes anymore um, because uh, dwarfism probably is the one one of the last uh, uh, groups to where it's still okay to make fun of and poke, poke fun at and uh, make jokes. Uh, even to this day in Hollywood, they still do it. Um, and so I want to make it better so that people uh, don't have to put up with that crap anymore. So I want to finish this with with something Casey Acree told me in an interview, and that is that because he you, you talked about it like every no, there's no doubt Casey is the fittest person in his division. Um, he's won was 22 of 23 events yeah. at the CrossFit Games. Um, but he said that he trained and prepared for the day that he knew this would be a possibility. And the reason he is so good today is because he didn't wait for it to come. He prepared as if it was coming. What is your advice to other people in the adaptive community that want to get involved in things like this? Start, start, start early and uh, make it a habit and do it often. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of people who will have hesitation. I know in the, um, one of the biggest things for the little people community is people are afraid of uh, hurting their backs and their necks and stuff like that um, because that's a complication with dwarfism is uh, spinal stenosis. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is CrossFit is actually another form of medicine and it actually heals a lot of those things. Um, I had to stop wrestling because of spinal stenosis and to this day, I don't have any complications from it anymore because of CrossFit. And people are always shocked. They're like, you're, you're squatting way more than you ever did in high school. Like, uh, you're, you're deadlifting. Like, how is your back? Like, is it okay? And it's like, yeah, it's okay. I'm working out. I'm strengthening my back. I'm strengthening my core. I'm doing this other crazy concept that's also medicine for your body called working out and fitness and making sure that um, I'm not becoming just another statistic to dwarfism uh, that uh, tends to fall in obesity um, because obesity is very prevalent in the little people community. And um, it's because people are afraid to work out or do sports because they're afraid of getting hurt. But what they don't realize is avoiding those things are actually what's causing them to have those problems. As they always say, movement is medicine. And that goes for all of us. Yeah. Um, 
And so you, you actually feel healthy. Um, and so has that translated to your whole family? Does your family work out with you? Yeah, my, my wife, uh, she did CrossFit uh, early on. Um, and then when she got pregnant with our son, uh, she did CrossFit for a little bit more. But then um, like towards the end of the pregnancy, she, she stopped um, at the gym. But um, life kind of gets in the way. So she works out uh, uh, at home and uh, she does like some uh, more boot camp style, uh, like high intensity classes um, here locally. Um uh, my son, yeah, he works out. He's got a, like the little like plastic barbell, and he'll he'll constantly you'll constantly be hearing him slam that into the ground. Um, and uh, he talks about how he's gonna do CrossFit also and go to the games and stuff like that. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, I think it's just it's become a habit in our family just to work out and be active and get outside and. Uh, yeah. Um, be healthy. That's incredible. When, when your child looks at you and says, I'm going to go to the CrossFit game, that's got to like fill your heart. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me happy. Um, because it, it, it makes me really proud of like, just that, like, I'm showing him the way of, uh, of doing it and, uh, that he wants to be like dad and, uh, he's, wants to do wrestling. He, he still says he's going to play football at Notre Dame, but also be in the band and coach the football team. And so he's got a lot that he's going to be doing, I guess, but uh, he'll, he'll find a way. Uh, so Wad Zombie jumps in. I hope this past games doesn't keep him down. He's got such a great attitude. I don't think anything's keeping you down, right? No. Yeah. I I'm already moved on from it. Uh, and yeah, I, I wasn't, as much, I wasn't trying to be negative about CrossFit when I made that post. I think a lot of people took it as like, we were looking for like handouts and stuff like that. Like, Oh, like, Oh, like just include them. Like, like uh, people started making it about pay and stuff like that. And, and like comparing it to like, uh, um, like uh, the U S soccer team or WNBA players, like asking for more money. And it's like, we're not asking for more money. Like we're not asking for to be uh, treated like the elite athletes. I'm basically just asking to be treated like the rest of the adaptive athletes um, and also calling out the bullshit when I see it for how they treat the, uh, the rest of the adaptive athletes as well. Um, Cause if there's anything um, I'm willing to do, it's uh, stand up for others. Um, Cause I'm not, not okay with uh, just sitting by and being quiet. All you really wanted was a t-shirt. Yeah. All I wanted a t-shirt and just not one that just said CrossFit on it. <laughs> right. Uh, Lana says amazing athlete and role model. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Mikey, it's been awesome having you on. Um, we'll have to make this a regular thing uh, and, and, and highlight adaptive community a little bit more. So uh, we'll stay in touch for sure. Uh, everybody in the chat, thank you so much for being with us today and good luck in the off season. Wheel wad. When, when is that coming up? Uh, that's the last week of November, um, I believe November 30th to like December 3rd, I believe. Um, and it's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, so if anyone wants to see a, a bunch of adaptives throw down and uh, m make you feel sorry for yourself, come, <laughs> come, <laughs> come, come to Raleigh.
Awesome. Well, we'll be in touch before that. We'll, we'll highlight a little bit of the wheel wad and what's going on there. And with that, everybody, thank you so much for jumping in. Uh, we love you all. We'll see everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. C4 Energy, Extend, and Cellucor are delivering the most effective, best tasting, and highest quality products for you. Get 20% off when you use the code Clydesdale at checkout at C, the number four energy.com. That's C4energy.com. And now back to the interview.